0: Case. Hope not hate are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backward, these backward thinking virtue, sig- virtue signalling, fake news creators. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hope Not Hate podcast. This is the second part of an incredible and insightful discussion about the incidents surrounding the trial of a group of neo Nazis. In this second part, Matthew talks in more detail about the case and some of the ideologies behind some of these far-right groups.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My name is Duncan Cahill. Welcome once again to the Hope Not Hate podcast. I'm joined today yet again by Matthew Collins, Head of Research um, to discuss um, a group which has been grabbing quite a few headlines over uh, the past few months uh, a group called National Action um, so I guess Matthew, probably the best thing to do is just have a very quick overview of exactly uh, what National Action was yeah. um, and uh, maybe then we can talk through some of the
0: things that they've done Sure. Um well let's let's go back a little bit. Um I think we've covered the Northwest trials in relation to um Jack Renshaw, Christopher Lithgow and others, you know, that uh, Robbie Muller and I went to court about. We didn't cover um which ended in December, the jailing of a number of people involved in the Midlands group. Um Christopher Lithgow was the leader of the national action. Nationally, and he and some others were convicted last june we we we've, we've discussed that already uh, but we didn't discuss the Burman and the, sorry, the west the the midlands i should said i should have said midlands p- people who were sentenced to prison in december two thousand and eighteen um, so basically the midlands group after national action were prescribed. At the end of 2016, Christopher Lifko, who was the secret leader of national action, broke them down into uh, cells or a cell structure. They'd already been in a cell structure already for about 12 months prior to their banning. Um, One of the things that people said and often say when this sort of thing happens is if you were to ban this group or prescribe this group, they would go underground. And I think one of the things that was very, very clear uh, about National Action was that it already operated underground. It, you know, it already had a secret leader. Chris Christopher Lifko had been the leader of National Action for well over a year. Um, and he was completely un, unknown to uh, everybody else. And to be honest, he was even un, unknown to us. Certainly wasn't known as the leader of National Action. And then a, a series of lieutenants were... Appointed around the country, some of whom are still uh, alleged lieutenants uh, are still to face court. But in December, the trial of the that the Midlands group um, ended with a number of key figures sent sent to prison and were convicted and sent to prison. And I and I and I would say the major, the majority of the evidence against the people. Um, Darren, Darren Fletcher, a.k.a. Darren, uh, Clift. Darren, Darren Clift, or Klansman, as he was also known to people, Adam Thomas, uh, Bogdanovich, and, and others, came from the information that the, the, the police in, in the, in the North West got from Robbie Mullen, And the, I guess the primary offender in it all is, is Alex Deacon, who led the Midlands group, um, and for whatever reason is, is unknown to us um, when the police decided to look at his phone they hadn't previously decided to look at his phone they found evidence that he was organising this this terrorist group and the decision to look at that information and those around it obviously came from uh, information from Robbie Mellon so in December 2018 a number of people were sent to prison The the main People, the main characters, I, I guess, would be this Corporal Werner Harlan. Who's? Uh, apologies, I've not pronounced his name properly. He's a Finnish national who was uh, a member who was in the British Army. He was uh, someone who'd been stockpiling weapons and materials. He um, was also known as the driver. He drove a number of people around uh, from the from the Midlands group. Also attended, they had these cross burnings. Those who are familiar with this, uh, Ku Klux, mainly the Ku Klux Klan for America, who do it go in their back gardens and burn crosses and they sing Christian hymns. He was a, a, an instigator in that, and then others in the gang of interests uh, who, who we've also d- discussed. I, I guess, um, the, the fixation they had with burning crosses, I'm assuming, comes from the association with Darren Fletcher, aka Darren Clift, who. People may remember when he was sentenced previously. I think back in two thousand and fourteen or 2013, 2014, maybe even before. He went to a National Front meeting, dressed in his Ku Klux Klan robes, and proceeded to lynch a a gollywog, which oh, is right. a yeah as you do, which is a, a very crude uh, child's doll from the seventies, I, I seventies and I, before.
1: I'm right in thinking. I think that. Young Adam Thomas was with him at the time. Uh, yeah, Adam, be, so yeah, he was in his. He was also
0: in his, in his, regalia. Yeah, Thomas and uh, Fletcher or Clift, as he was previously known. And it's just the thing about when Phillips you, as well. Phillips really as well. Sure. There's, there's there's a thread that runs through this whole when you're researching national action. There's a thread that has run through it. It its whole being was that people were often known. By uh, two names, some were known by three or four names, uh, and some of them had legally changed their name. So it's been it's been very confusing. Uh, but in in we, we we've said that National Action sort of began life in the BMP's youth wing. Although that's true, I think it's also important that we we should acknowledge that a number of people that went into National Action and also into other really hardline extreme neo-nazi groups also um had long periods inside the edl and what the what national action was it's like a, a, a i guess a hybrid of um ideologically influenced uh former young BNP members and then people who joined the edl and found their way into, into national action.
1: And the National Front as well. And, and,
0: the, and, the, and, and the National Front as well. And I, I think the relationship between the National Front and National Action is something I've looked at loosely and I'm going to look at a lot more uh, over the next few weeks. But the relationship between National Action and National Front was fraught, I think it's best to say. When National Action looked into how they wanted it to be and how ideological they wanted it to be and how disciplined they wanted it to be... To be. Um, they looked at the National Front and said they wanted it to be nothing like the National Front. And they maintained this um, very fraught relationship, particularly in the northwest and some parts of the North East of the country, where national action, uh, let's say, usurped the, na- usurped the National Front. And also members of uh, national action who'd been in the National Front may or may not have Decamped with monies and 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 funding the usual story yeah so going back to fletcher aka yeah. clift clanman and thomas they both they'd both been uh involved in the EDL and and the national front and then they found their way into national action um with with uh, fletcher i mean there's some it's a bit of a sad story he he was on the spectrum uh, and his obsession was Hitler and Nazism. And when he came out of prison for the lynching of the Gollywog, he went to live in Devon. Uh, and he found a he found a partner, and they had a they had a child. And he was desperate to avoid any more contact with the extreme far right, but he couldn't find a job. And eventually, I believe, I believe they were on the brink of going to food banks because they just couldn't. Uh, survive on, on what money they bought him and he resigned himself to going back to the Midlands and back into the movement which was what we, you know, we call the far right the movement and it was it was in there of course that he was able to uh, find you know some stability if you call it that for his his young family and his wife but of course immediately it, it triggered in him you know some more of his more it, Extreme obsessions, and he became involved in national action and I think in one of the court papers it it, it says that you know he was a key key figure in all of the the court papers there's a number of themes that ran through uh, in the midlands as well as the northwest the obsession that national action had with violence the the obsessions as well that are apparent about um certainly dabbling in the occult, or dabbling in Satanism, uh, and paedophilia, um, whether or not it's fair to say they all engaged in it, or, or obsessed by it, it's fair to say from looking in their chat logs and the internal discussions they had, which we're grateful for Alex Deacon not deleting. Um, that There was a constant, you know, a, a really, really disturbing thread that ran right through National Action, but I'm not entirely sure they all engaged in it. But so this thing with the Order of the Nine Angles, is it? Yeah, there's a there's a, Satan, there's a Satanist group called Order of the Nine Angles. It's considered one of the most extreme Satanist groups uh, in in the world, and it, it's it's based here in the UK, and they produce materials. It certainly influenced Ryan Fleming, who is the uh, paedophile who was active in national action who we exposed in 2015. Uh, Ryan Fleming was, was a paedophile He had con- a conviction for a, a, like a sexual assault on a young vulnerable male and then in 2017 he was sent to prison for grooming uh, a young woman. On, on the internet and he's back on the Sex Winners Register and as Hope Not Hate with the help of others exposed him in 2015 and the more we the more we've looked into it Nick Lowell's has, uh, has run with this quite a bit um, the influence of Order of Nine Angles on certain key people uh, inside national action um, has been titillating uh, and of course Lowell's has a, a long-standing Interest in the Order of Nine Angles. It, it, it goes back to the old C eighteen Combat Eighteen Terror Group in the in the mid nineties, who were also influenced by the Order of Nine Angles, and that you know I, I guess you're going to ask me what why and why and what for is the obsession with the occult and Satanism? Why and what for is the obsession with the Satanism? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Duncan, I'm glad you could. I'm glad you could ask me that. Almost articulately. Yeah, articulately. <laughs> well, the it, it's quite interesting. The the theory of white jihad, which um, was the I think was was used as a reason or or cited by both Zach Davis, who was the National Action member who uh, attacked with a hammer the dentist in Mold in North Wales in two thousand and fourteen. Or maybe even two thousand thirteen, but certainly Zach Davis uh, was into white jihad, and certainly um, Jack Renshaw, on a number of occasions, cited white jihad. And what white jihad was, and this is going to be either boring or titillating, but I I will expand on it in some writing at some stage. White jihad was this idea, and it's basically that. uh, You know, I think I think it's very very clear when national action. Was, was sort of boiling down that uh, Hitler just Hitler was no longer enough for them. They were they became obsessed by paedophilia. They became obsessed by how more and more extreme they could become. And I think there was evidence to say that you know their obsessions were actually more about killing people than Nazism. Sexual violence. So yeah. Uh, yes. The, the use of sec- the use of sexual violence was was one of them, and the the, the jihad thing was. Um, a greater moral, if not spiritual, justification. And we know that National Action spent a lot of time looking at ISIS videos. We know that Jihadi John was one of their heroes, was certainly a hero of Zack Davis. And the idea about white jihad was because, obviously, National Action had no interest in dying for 72 virgins to meet in heaven there's no point just whacking another virgin in there is there so they had to find another justification they had to find another justification they had to lose this fear of death they had to understand about martyrdom and so they it tends to be that they found some of the justifications for some of their more extreme sicknesses in the occult where the order of nine angles has made it quite clear that they believe nazism is an expression of satanism we all certainly agree it's evil and they looked into some of those writings and they they then started comparing the actions of jihadism we've seen in groups like ISIS the, um, the idea about enslaving women ideas around child pornography hardcore extreme pornography and murder and then somehow using a spiritualism or a religious belief a distorted religious belief uh, as a justification for murder and terror and that's what basically white jihad was the, you, you know using the concepts some of the language some of the misconceptions, but driving into the the adherence in national action an idea of you know a justification for murder a justification for terror, doing away with their fear of dying and that's basically where you know when Jack Renshaw went to you know plot to murder his m p and the and, and the policewoman he spoke about white jihad he spoke about doing a video like a, a jihadi video um the people who really ran with this white jihad idea is the atom waffen division in the united states and that's a that's a group that was everything national action wanted to be in regards it had access legal access to weapons it stored chemicals under its floorboards it um it, it's interesting garen helm from national action who was also allegedly involved in satanism he thought, uh, in in conversations with, with National Action members, almost thought that National Action were living in the United States because he started talking about his First Amendment right to harass MPs and do and do other things. But the Atomwaffen Division also took on the theory of white jihad, and it seems to have been, again, the use of extreme sexual violence against opponents, rape as uh, a weapon... Um, And some members having what is something that's called insight, whereas some members actually going through either a real or mock conversion to uh, Islam because they believe that that empowers their abilities to create jihad. Basically, it's just neo-Nazis, hardened neo-Nazis, wanting to be ISIS. And there was an interest in... Incident where uh, atom the division one of their members did convert to Islam, uh, maintained um, all the white jihad stuff, but somewhere somewhere down the line it went wrong, because when his colleagues started making asli Mus- you know anti Muslim sentiments, because let's be very very clear, it doesn't mean that these people are approving of of Islam, it means they're copying jihadis, you know the yeah. the, the you know the, the terror version of jihadi. Uh, anyway, so he went through a conversion to Islam of sorts. Potentially, it was insight, which is something Satanists uh, do. And two of his colleagues in from the division then made derogatory comments about Islam, and he shot them both because they'd in, 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 they'd insulted. the The thing about as well, I mean, to come back to things where Nazis either distort. Or, or quite genuinely misunderstand things. Talk about the case in the Midlands of Adam Thomas and Claudia Patatus. He was, I think, he was in his early twenties. She was in her late thirties. He he left the EDL and went to Israel. He was, I believe, was a rapture theorist, which is like a uh, an extreme Protestant. And he went to Israel, um, believing that was the chosen lands. And he went to Israel, and according to reports, he he wanted to convert to Judaism. And we're not sure how far Thomas went through with the process. There are photographs that have appeared in some newspapers showing him certainly doing some studies uh, with um, you know some studies in synagogues. Uh, about his conversion to the to the Jewish faith, but he abandoned that and decided to come back to England. And then he met Claudia Patatus, um, and they were, you know, a bit of a bit of an odd couple. Uh, <laughs> they named their child Adolf, or one of the names of the child that we can uh, talk about is its name Adolf. Um, they refused to bathe their child. Um, no, one has ever had a, a newborn child they had a, mm-hmm. had a child, they named Adolf a very young child, anyone who knows what it's like having a newborn child will tell you that they need to be bathed at least twice a day, uh, I remember in the case of my nephews and nieces you put them in the back garden, just put a hose on them and say oh, my god, uh, that's not actually true but you know, ch- children need to be bathed quite washed and bathed quite regularly um, they refuse to bathe their uh, child because of the, the conspiracy idea that Jews, it's always the Jews, have poisoned the water with fluoride. Now, I I remember years and years ago in, in the National Front putting out some dodgy leaflets, telling people that the Jews had poisoned the water with fluoride. And I remember discussing this with Robbie Mullen when there was stuff in the court case in the Midlands that Thomas and Patatas hadn't uh, bathed their child... They just used like a wet wiper on it, and we both agreed that that's particularly problematic, isn't it? Because even when you're putting the leaflets out you're not supposed to believe the content yourself. It was the same the Holocaust denial um, you're meant to get other people to um, believe. The Holocaust didn't happen, but you're in the position yourself as being the person putting the propaganda out, where yeah. you know it's propaganda. So that was in. So that was interesting. So they they, they distorted a number of things. But uh, Patatus and Thomas went to prison. It was um, some of the interesting things about potatus was even when she was heavily pregnant with baby Adolf, um, she, like a lot of people in National Action, had a. Obsession with crossbows and violence and all and and like Armageddon, now we knew that she'd had some what she'd described as pagan, and we think probably she was just playing down um, some of her Satanist things, but she'd also been on the internet searching for weapons that she could buy for when the end of the world was was coming, and when the police raided their home as well as you know bomb manuals and crossbows you know next to the child 's cot they kept this you know deadly deadly crossbow and i think i think there was a, a huge huge sickness in the group and i don't think you know it has anything to do with the group being banned i mean they already operated underground and i think one of the challenges for people who investigate them or to understand national action and the groups that have come since is that it has an ideology now that is far further away far firmer and if at all possible far more dangerous than just plain old Hitler worshipping from from top to bottom it worshipped the idea of terror that it dreamed of murder it discussed openly and we can't talk about all of it because there's more uh, yeah. trials coming but this was a group that had such an extreme interest in sexual violence and rape and in particular rape directed and sexual violence directed at children, that you're not going to de-radicalise anybody and you're not going to challenge this group based on reading an academic report on the rise of the BNP and the it's, it's We're simply way a, a, and well beyond anything else we've ever seen before.
1: And going back to, to kind of the early days, um, I mean, I remember... You know, famously, they had the the Liverpool protests where they didn't make it out of the station and all that sort of stuff. And at the time, they were putting out stuff saying only bullets will stop us. And then yeah. after that, you know, they'd been they'd had fruit hurled at them, and it, you know, people were taking the piss and saying, oh, only bananas will stop you now. Yeah. Do you think though? Well, it's kind of a rhetorical, really, but there was underestimation of how dangerous they were because they were kind of treated as a joke for a while, and certainly weren't really attracting the attention. It certainly doesn't seem, from the way it panned out, that they were attracting the attention of the uh, security services and counter-terror.
0: Well, so. yeah, it's interesting because so much of what they... So much of what National Action did was comical. And one of the great strengths that we that we have is to laugh mm. at some of the comical things that they do, the ridiculous things that they do. But I think if you go through... of the stuff you and I wrote on National Action we were always really, really clear. Um, they weren't the intellectual powerhouse that they they wanted to be when they first started. Um, a lot of things they did were stupid and ridiculous. But all the time that they existed, all the time these things were going on, we now know that behind the scenes, they, they were planning and plotting and looking to... The exact day this thing should have been a warning other things that happened, other young people, you know, people who built a pipe bomb, other individuals around the country that were arrested planning things. I, I, I think we got the balance right, that the majority of them were stupid, but not harmless. We've never thought them as harmless. Often they were a greater danger to themselves, but still a danger to the general public. I think it's a mistake a lot of people made when looking at them you know, those little boys with the banner saying only bullets will stop us. And I even remember myself saying, you know, kids that young smoking that heavily, it will be cancer that will stop them, not not bullets. But it's in the mindset. We're not talking about people. At the end of the day, we're not talking about people who, were, uh, no matter how much they've trained and prepared for it and desired to be big, strong, tough men, like something out of the Turner Diaries, they weren't. But what they were, and what their their now descendants are, is a group that was so dedicated to violence, so dedicated to murder, you don't have to be a big tough guy to plant a bomb, or kill someone, or stab someone, or carry out any any form of attack. You know, it's very, very rarely do we see people who are running around planting bombs and killing old ladies... Oh are we seeing them as you know sort of gregarious street types? These are people in the main who spend hours and hours and hours in their bedrooms obsessing and obsessing about pornography uh some of the worst most extreme pornography, and obsessing about killing people so we got the balance we got the balance right i I do think there were people who tried to apply old lessons to them who weren't paying attention and one of the one of the ways of course that they struggled to pay attention was because everything that National Action said was copied from somewhere and everything the National Action wrote was so difficult to comprehend, not because it was particularly highbrow, but because it was such nonsense. their intellectualism Well, yeah, but yeah, without, without the intellectual uh, in it. But the, we we knew, and I think, you know, there's plenty of times and passages where we said that you know the the real threat from these people won't be from their marches, won't be from anything like that. It is there's such extreme behaviour of lonely, disturbed boys in their bedroom, just goading each other on, and also out of sight. This was a very very sophisticated group, and the the groups that have since come, which of course we can't talk about for for legal reasons, um, have picked up. In terms of its sophistication about hiding offline, but being online, and in terms of its ideal ide- ideology, of course, over a period of time, National Action devised an ideology that became more and more extreme and more and more sinister. From that point, which National Action finished, is where these new groups and these new individuals pick up, and they pick up from the point of the absolute sickness. Um. If you look at the very early days of National Action in two thousand and thirteen, you would never have thought it would it would have got off the ground because it was so ridiculous. I'm not saying that the people who did it were spectacularly brilliant, but I certainly certainly it has a tr- it attracted some very dark and disturbing individuals.
1: Yeah, and um, ruthless.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely ruthless. Just
1: one thing that we didn't touch on before. You were talking about uh, Mikhail Valainen, Yeah. Um, Corporal. Corporal. Um, again, going back, I mean, Jack Renshaw uh, tried to join the army mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Corporal Mikhail also
0: um, provided a... He provided a reference for Adam yes. for, for Adam Thomas, um, with the greatest respect to Mr. Thomas, because he is Adolf, he is Adolf's father. I don't want to. He has a. Uh, he does not look capable of joining the army, and I think, despite our our, our Finnish friend's um, reference to Thomas, that he would he could offer the army great patriotism, and not much brain or brawn. Uh, the the army turned it down. Yeah, there are people in the far right. They always want to join the army, don't they? They obs- they obsess so it, about the army and military.
1: It it wasn't um, part of a wider strategy to to infiltrate the armed services. The, such it was a kind of
0: well the the, the reason that the the um, first set of arrests in the big raid terror raids were made in the Midlands was because Deakin and Corporal Halen. Mm-hmm. Can, I just, can we just call him Van Halen? Corporal, I think we'll Corporal call him. the Corporal Van Halen um, had made a concerted effort to recruit um, soldiers, and it's the I, I guess we you, you sort of we 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 need or you'd like your soldiers to at least be mildly patriotic, and the, there was a distortion of patriotism. We saw some members of the military also arrested who weren't charged but we did see them perhaps engage in unpleasant online discussions with members of National Action, and it was because that, that particular regiment in the Midlands was going... I think they were going. They were being shipped out to Cyprus, is why they swooped uh, quickly on the Midlands unit of National Action. Um, but I think only one soldier was charged. I think one was discharged, and two... Rather disturbingly, were allowed back into the army.
1: Right.
0: Hmm. That's a uh, so worry.
1: Yeah, and it makes you it. Uh, well, I think one of those things just going back to, to discussing about how maybe they were underestimated um by security services. I think that, that you know, kind of extending that out. um
0: They get well. I, I think this thing about underestimating them. I mean, we sort of just touched on that before. In in terms of how we view terrorists, they were the wrong colour. Simple as that. We we hear all these messages that the far right's an extreme danger, and then you look at, for instance, National Action, which is the, which was is or was the terrorist danger. They didn't look how people perceived terrorists to be, and also, you know, physically, but also, yes, they were white, and you don't expect to see these these white boys out killing people, but, but that that is the reality. They were also underestimated, again, because I don't think people understood there was an ideology developing, and it's a long, long way away from where any of these people started in the BNP or the, or the EDR.
1: I think there was another thing with that as well. I mean, I do remember speaking to somebody um, who was working at the Home Office at the time, and this was not that long before all of this stuff started breaking out. But actually, he made a comment about the thing with um, far-right extremists is you know who they are, basically because they're already in the criminal justice system, they're allowed you know, and, and, and whatever. And whilst you know, I can see an element of truth in that, in terms of the EDL and the infidels and those people who whose activity is... You know, are but, extreme, yeah, extreme. Uh, but also you know criminal gangs, drug drug dealing, all that kind of stuff. But this was different. This was different. Well, you know, they were um, using encryption. They were, uh, as you say, operating themselves and, and I, so think, I, I think I think there was this idea that somehow the far right were too kind of stupid and and embedded in criminality to yeah to, to carry out this kind of. The, stuff.
0: Well, the majority of arrests for terrorism of far-right extremists are people going equipped or plotting to very, very rarely carrying out acts of terrorism. That That is, in the main, a competency issue. Also, I, I will bring you back then to white jihad, mm. because so many don't go through with it because they don't want to go to prison for life and they don't want to die. I think one of the reasons for the development of the white jihad theory was to give them that added capacity... Give them that martyrdom. Understand that if you die for white jihad, you know, you can live forever. The spiritualism, because just regular plain old racism isn't enough. They don't want to go to prison and they don't want to die. And that was why white jihad also became necessary. Coming back to the other point you made about someone who said that they're already in the criminal justice system. I think if you were to look through the majority of those in national action before it was banned, very, very few had... yeah criminal convictions second of all one in three white males by the time they're 30 has a criminal conviction so that doesn't really help narrow it down those in national action um who joined national action who may have had criminal convictions didn't have them in regard to the far right those who picked up criminal convictions in the far right then certainly yes you would assume they would be on a radar i don't believe that was necessarily Mm -hmm the uh the case to do with it and i think and i think still they put such a uh, so much emphasis on the fact that they will just turn up or we will just find them it just simply isn't isn't the case when that when we revealed that national action had a gym in warrington um, in fact when we revealed the 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 murder plot the home office and the security services were absolutely convinced that national action was finished. Not only were they not finished after prescription, they'd opened a gym.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's... it's, uh, I You know, I'm very, very grateful that the security services very often get it right in terms of stopping terrorism because you see it day in, day out. And no doubt they are overstretched. But I think sometimes there's a little bit too much of um, warning everyone about the dangers of far-right extremism, but they're not really doing a lot... You know, solid about it. I will point you to. I think it was two thousand and sixteen in Swansea, where five National Action members were arrested uh, by police and then later released. All of them, bar one, I believe, gave a, a false name. Right. No. Robbie Mullen, when he was visited by the police at home, so that he had his home address, they went to his address with the wrong name. So I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just don't think we're, you know, I don't think anyone is going to solve this problem by reading academic reports on the BNP. I, yeah, yeah. I really think we're way beyond that.
1: And kind of allied to that, though, as well, I, I guess, is, is the Prevent program because um, I'm sure you have plenty to say about um, people who are involved in National Action who were also involved <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on the Prevent program, and therefore how how effective that program might have been in this instance.
0: There's a very good report by um, Fiona Hamilton for the Times, which came out in 2018 about just how uh, effective or not the Prevent program is. And I think we've discussed it before about when Prevent is really called provoke. I'm not entirely certain that it is using credible credible actors, <laughs> shall we say? But uh, but but let, let's move on. I think I think we've covered. Um as much as we can post trial. I think we did cover in you know I think it's really, really important that people understand um that national action is finished because of the actions of Hope Not Hate and in particular Robbie Mullen. But it generated or germinated uh, ideas that we're we're still unraveling and we're still unpicking, and we are still seeing people gravitating towards towards its message. And its message, as well, is not populist. You know, National Action and and the groups since it are not populist groups. You know, they want they want it to be bright and colourful and a little bit art house. And but you know. Much of what it believes and much of what it put out in its private fora, for instance, was not something that is going to get anybody but the most disturbed attracted to it. And there are a lot of very, very young white males in their bedrooms, gaming and killing people on the internet, who are getting these messages flash up. Thank you for listening to the Hope Not Hate podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to get free episodes direct to your device when we release them. If you do subscribe and enjoy listening to the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps new people to find us. And I want to say a big thank you to members of the Hope Action Fund. Members of Hope Not Hate provide us with the support we need to keep doing what we do best.